morning, Grandma. Oh, darling, it's good to see you. And good morning and welcome to all of you who are joining us for this morning's service. How I wish we could have greeted you like this. We're so glad you've come to join us. We miss catching up with you from week to week. One of the joys of being with a church family is watching the little ones growing up. I haven't seen Zeke or Adam for weeks and I haven't seen baby Alina at all. You've seen them on the screen, Grandma. Yes, and that's lovely, but I can't touch them or, or get my special smile from them. And all these other kids are growing up. Sometimes I ask, is that really Diana? Is that really Jessica? It can't be, but it is. It's so good to know that we're together for worship. You're right, Maisie. And a special thank you to all the clever people out there who are making this possible each week, able to manage the very clever technology that leaves me baffled. This morning, Mitchell Strawn is our speaker. Many of us know him well because he served as a volunteer on the pastoral team for a number of years. Now, after further study, he's become a high school teacher and he's teaching MacArthur Adventist College. He's teaching HSC Modern History, I know that bit. He's speaking as part of the Letting Go series. And today he's going to speak of letting go of bitterness. He's chosen Ecclesiastes 11 verse 10 as his key text. Would you read it for us, Maisie? Ecclesiastes 11 verse 10. Banish emotional stress from your mind and put away pain from your body, for youth and the prime of life are fleeting. I'm looking forward to Mitch unpacking that rather enigmatic text. One thing is certain, this is a time of emotional stress. And for some it's a time of pain. I guess Sarah Boccoletti's in that category. We need to pay for, pray for her as she's recovering from rather radical surgery. I find the peace prayer reminds me of the sort of things I need to do. Maisie and I will read it together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And, and it, it is, is in dying that we are born to eternal life. life. Amen. Amen. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Good morning, happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm happy to be seeing you all again, and I'm glad that church can continue to happen even though coronavirus is still a thing. I can't wait for the day where I see you all in person because goodness knows that can't come soon enough. I miss just talking with everyone at church. I miss being able to enjoy lunch with people. I miss having good long conversations that you just can't have over distance like this. So it'll be a good day when we're finally able to meet again. I swear I'm counting down those days. 
Before we get into the word, let's have a quick word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we've had to open your word. And thank you for the opportunity we have to look at what it might mean to let go of bitterness. Lord, we know we can't live with it. We know it becomes a burden too heavy for us to bear before too long. So please be with us as we open your word and learn how we can live with lightness in our step and thankfulness in our hearts. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 7 says, Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is transient. Rejoice, O man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are transient. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. I think there's a lot to unpack here about what it means to live a fulfilled, light, letting go of bitterness kind of life. Because we know that you know, if we live with bitterness, then we let people live rent-free in our heads. And yet sometimes it's so difficult to let go. It's so difficult to let the past be the past, not to dwell on the things that have happened to us, but instead to focus on the things that we can do the things that God can do through us to change us, to make us into better, more loving, more caring, more empathetic people. So let's get into it. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. I think this speaks to the fact that we all want to live a good life. That's what we all aim for. We want to live a life without worry, without stress, without strain. As the prayer of Jabez says, Lord, bless me indeed and keep me from harm that I might not feel pain. And the weird part of this prayer is that God answered it according to 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10. So God certainly desires that we live without pain, that we live a life in which we seek light, in which we live in the light of God. For us to want that, I think, is an expression of God's desire for us to live that kind of life. So how do we go about doing that when the world is such a dark place, when people can hurt us, where the things that happen to us are not often the things that we choose to happen to us and we can be torn in so many different ways on how we're going to react to that? I was always told, ever since I was in year four, year five, about ten years of age, the hard things of life can make you a bitter person, or they can make you a better person. And I think I first learned this, les this lesson around the same time, when my parents broke up, and I was left wondering, why did that happen? Little did I know at the time, but my dad was struggling with something similar. Was he going to let this make him a bitter person? 
or was he going to let it make him a better person? And Dad has always, since that time, instilled in me the importance of taking charge of what you're feeling about the situation that you find yourself in to get to the point where you are not letting things control you, but you are choosing to be a better person. Dad said to us a long time after it happened that one day he just went, sat by the river near where he lived and wondered what the heck he was going to do with his life. How he was going to process the fact that everything he thought was going to be for the next 50 years was no longer going to happen. And he told us that he chose, chose being the operative word, to make himself into a better person. He recognised the faults within him that had caused all of this to happen, whether or not it was ultimately his fault. He recognised that he certainly contributed things. He couldn't cast blame. And he decided to take those things on board and be a better person. To this day, he's been the best father I can hope for. And I can't imagine him having come to that realisation any other way. In essence, it was the hard times in life that made him a better person, that brought him to that point of decision. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is transient or fleeting however you choose to translate the word. Vanity in Ecclesiastes, sometimes translated meaningless, futility, has the meaning, the literal meaning of hevel, smoke, mist. It's something that you can't grasp. You can certainly see, and it certainly has an effect on you. Who among us hasn't been camping and had the campfire blow smoke into our eyes? Things in the world matter to us. It doesn't stay that way forever. What's more, I think there's something to be enjoyed about the things in life that come and go. Let's just not hold on to them as if they make the foundation for our experience. Let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. I think it's hard for us to recognise sometimes in the world in which we live where everything is provided for us in abundance, that we live in a world where bad things happen. And it's so easy for us to be able to ignore that. It's so easy for us to be able to cast that to one side when everything's going well, that it just takes us by surprise when we're faced with challenges, when we're faced with trials. It would be well for us to remember that there will be days of darkness and we will have to deal with it. I don't think it's a matter of being depressed. I don't think it's a matter of saying, oh, woe is me. Darkness is part of my life. It's just saying, no, it happens. I should expect it and I should plan for it. How am I going to react when I get to that point? How am I going to react when things happen to me that I don't want to happen to me, when I'm hurt by my family, when I'm betrayed by my friends, when I lose that job, when 
the deal I was going for falls through. When we're disappointed in life, how do we react? How have we chosen to react beforehand? And I think it's important to us to be able to recognise that bad things do happen and to be able to have a plan for what that is. How are you going to react? How are you going to take charge of the situation when all of this happens? Are you going to be a better person because this isn't what you wanted? Or are you going to be a better person because even though it wasn't what you wanted, God can still do something with it. God still has a plan for your life. He's not going to leave you there. He doesn't let you fall into places only to watch you wallow and squirm. He hates it when that happens. God wants to see you living a life in which you can glorify him all the time. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Now, I do have to ask about this verse. Is this an acknowledgement that young men will walk in the ways of their hearts and in the sight of their eyes? The things that we do, the things that we think, oh, that's a great idea. Is this just an acknowledgement that we're going to do those things anyway, regardless of the advice which we're given? Who knows? I think it's an acknowledgement of the fact that we are inherently emotional people. We like to think that we're logical. We like to think that we're rational. But if there's anything that I've learned in my time, it's that oftentimes we make emotional decisions and we put rational framework around it to justify why we've said and done what we've said and done. So I think it's important to acknowledge that oftentimes we do walk in the ways of our heart and the sight of our eyes. It's just a fact of life. But for all these things, God will bring us into judgment. How have our actions affected others? How have our actions affected ourselves? And I think the next verse is the key to understanding this. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. And I'll just leave it there for a moment. Go back to verse 9. If we are to let our heart cheer us in the days of our youth, and if we are to walk in the ways of our heart, or if this is going to happen regardless, then it is so important that we remove active tense Not let it be removed, not hope it goes away eventually, but remove vexation from our heart and put away pain from our body. We don't wallow in the situations that we find ourselves in. We don't say, woe is me, I'm in such a a hard time at the moment. How could God do this to me? How could my friends betray me like this? Because if you do that, the way that you act will be in accordance with what is in your heart. So if you have vexation in your heart, you will walk in the ways of your heart and you will act with vexation. You will speak with vexation. That's how you will come across to everyone. So I think it's so important that Solomon said here, remove it from your heart. Put away pain from your body. Don't put yourself in a position 
insofar as it's possible for you, where you are continually struggling with this when it's in your power to remove it. For youth and the dawn of life are transient, are fleeting. We only have one life. Are we going to live it in bitterness? Are we going to live it in resentment and anger? And it's easier to say in response to that, but you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand how badly people have hurt me. I have to carry this with me because it makes me who I am. Can you carry that with you for the rest of your life? Is there going to be at some point a time in your life where you put it all away and say, I don't need it anymore? And if so, why wouldn't you do that earlier? Why wouldn't you take the steps to get yourself to that position where you can put away the vexation, where you can put away the pain, where you can put away the bitterness? What might that look like? Might that be removing yourself from the situation where you're in? Might that be finding a good support network that can talk you through all of that sort of thing? Might that be making decisions about the way that you act so that you don't keep feeding the cycles that go on in our minds? Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Because there's going to come a time where things happen. It's going to happen. If it hasn't already in our lives, it's going to happen. And the surest way to make sure that we can remove bitterness from our lives, that we can let go of bitterness is to remember the Creator in the days of our youth. Before everything happens, while we're still young and carefree, or as young and carefree as we'll ever be, let us remember our Creator. God has made numerous promises to us that in the case of bad things happening to us, He will look after us. As God gave me a verse today, what good father, if his son asked for fish or bread, would give him a snake or a stone? Or if people do things to us that hurt us and we're desperate to get back at them, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In this way, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. So how do we remember the Creator? Because surely it's something that doesn't come naturally to us. I think it's important to spend time with God. And recently I've been engaging in a Bible study routine that has caused me to think about what I'm reading and how I'm looking for the presence of God and the character of God in what I'm reading. Because oftentimes we read the Bible with the idea that, oh, I can learn how I can be a better person. I can learn how I can you know, 
say, do the right things. I don't think this is how God intended us to read the Bible. First and foremost, when we we read the Bible, we must be struck with the majesty of God. Because if we're engaging with the Bible in our own strength, if we're thinking about it in terms of what we're capable of, then we've kind of got it wrong. Because due to the simple nature of sin, there's not terribly much that we can do. Sure, we can put a paint a coat over it, but in the end, there's still structural issues. We need God to rebuild the house for us. We need God to change us from the inside out. It's easy for us to say, oh, I won't be bitter anymore. But what is in your heart? If you cast bitterness out of your heart, what are you going to replace it with? Jesus says that when you cast out a demon, goes around the world and looks for some other place to sit, can't find anything, goes back to where it was. Oh, it's neat and clean, but nothing's filling the place. If you haven't replaced what's in your heart with anything, if you haven't got God to do that for you, then how is that much of a help? So I've been reading the Bible in an effort to be struck by who God is and to try and fill whatever's in my heart to replace it with him, just like water displaces oil out of a cup. So I'd like to encourage us, as we're letting go of bitterness, to remember that, A, life's too short. Life's really too short to be living with hurt, to be living with pain, to be living with resentment for the rest of our lives. So we have to make a decision not to hold on to those things. Sometimes that's the hardest Secondly, to replace the bitterness that we cast out with the presence of God. And I want you to fall in love with who God is. I want you to want him to be in your lives. I don't want you to read the Bible and pray as a chore, as something you feel you have to do. I want you to do it because you see his wonder because you see his majesty, because you see everything that he's done for you in your life. And I want you to think, I can consider no other option than that. I want nothing else in my heart except God. That's the point where I want you to be. And I pray that we'll both be on that journey together. I I know I certainly am. Sometimes it's a difficult road and sometimes it's easy to make mistakes in that respect, but I know that God's with me and I know that he's got me and I know that he'll never let me fall. So as I go through the process of putting off bitterness, I try and replace that with God and I hope that you can do the same because quite honestly, Living with God, living without bitterness is the only way I can conceive of living.
Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us the opportunity to examine ourselves, to think about why we do what we do, why we think what we think, and why we say what we say. Lord, if there's any habits in our lives that you want us to have removed, then please do that in us. We can certainly try, and certainly it's possible for us as humans to give it a really good go of, but we know that it's in your mercy, it's in your grace, that all of that becomes ten times more effective. It doesn't become a chore. It becomes something we actually want to do. And I pray that you will put a love for you, a deep, abiding, yearning love for you in each of our hearts. So that when you fill our hearts, the bitterness just naturally drops off. Be with us for the rest of our lives. Help us to face the days of darkness with your strength and your courage and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.